Welcome to Noble Bereans. I'm your host, Steve Sanders. In today's episode, we're continuing this study on glorifying God. In last week's episode, we we began to look at how we were created for His glory and how we should be seeking to glorify Him in all we do. And today, we're going to continue that. We're going to dive a bit deeper, though, and talk about His magnificence and why it is right and good that we seek to glorify Him in all things. Why? He is worthy. Worship and glorification of a God that we don't see with our eyes brings a unique set of challenges. Though we can can see some similarity in other areas of our life. For example, observe how people act differently or behave differently when a politician or even a corporate head walks into a room versus how they might have acted about that person just a few minutes prior to that when they weren't in the room. There's a big difference, though. No matter the stature of any world leader, no matter who they are, they don't hold a candle to the greatness of our God. Let's begin today in Job 26, and we'll start in in verse 5 for what I think is a terrific description of God's greatness. And all the verses I'm going to read today are coming from the net version. The dead tremble. Those beneath the waters and all that live in them. The underworld is naked before God. The place of destruction lies uncovered. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth on nothing. He locks the waters in his clouds, and the clouds do not burst with the weight of them. He conceals the face of the full moon, shrouding it with clouds. He marks out the horizon on the surface of the waters as a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens tremble and are amazed at his rebuke. By his power, he stills the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab, the great sea monster, to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Indeed, these are but the outer fringes of his ways." How faint is the whisper we hear of him, but who can understand the thunder of his power? While I think there is some truth that we don't acknowledge God's magnificence and glory more often because we don't see him with our own eyes, we do see his handiwork all around us, and that alone should be evidence of his greatness and a reason for our unfailing, everlasting worship. And this is a point that was made by Paul in the book of Romans. We can see that beginning uh, in chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So people are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their senseless hearts were darkened. The challenge, it seems to me, isn't a lack of God's display of his glory, but our own sometimes willful and obstinate refusal to recognize this greatness and attribute it to him. As believers, however, we should be seeking more of this in our lives. We should be seeking out this sort of enlightenment. Now, I think this is exactly what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 1, and we're going to begin reading there in verse 17. 
I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of him, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the incomparable greatness of his power toward us who believe, as displayed in the exercise of his immense strength. This power he exercised in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. He is incomparable, almighty, better than the best, the great I am, the beginning and the end, he simply is. It would serve us well, I think, to dwell more often on what makes him him. Recognizing that our presence in his presence is one to not be taken lightly as we are in the presence of the king of kings. While we are his children as well, we are also eternally indebted to his son Jesus for our purchase out of an eternity in hell, and that alone is reason to bow before him constantly. I end this session today with Psalms 150, which is the source of one of my favorite songs of praise. I'm going to share a link to that song in the show notes. Again, I'm going to read from Psalms 150, and beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the sky, which testifies to his strength. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the blast of the horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and with dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and the flute. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you like what you're hearing, do me a favor and share this with those you care about. And remember, not everybody understands how to subscribe to a podcast or how to even listen to one. You might have to direct them to the website where they can listen there on the internet rather than even on their phone. But just share it with those you care about. Also, if you haven't joined our Facebook page, you can find a link to that in our show notes as well as to our blog. Finally, be sure to join us again for the next episode. And until then, love like him, live for him, and reflect his light into this world. Mm-hmm.